Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome in to another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. I am Bennett Conlin, joined by Jack Fitzpatrick. We're talking about the Kings of the Sun Belt East tonight. Yes, sir. The one, the only, the true Kings. Those beach chickens can shove it because we are the rightful winners. Yeah, I mean, I can't play in the Sun Belt East title game, but 47 to 7 feels p- pretty resounding, right? Even no, without... they, they, can't pl- they can't play in the Sun Belt East championship game. They can't play in the Sun Belt championship game. Sorry, sorry. Yes, that's very true. <laughs> there is no Sun Belt East championship game. That'd be sweet if they did like a <laughs> championship for the division and then for the the actual conference but yeah i mean they they won by 40 what else is there to say right it was a heck of a performance so thanks everybody for tuning in uh, much appreciated but yeah we're the symbol these champs after trailing seven to three uh-huh like there was a point in that game there was a very real point in that game that i want to say before we get into our our ad reads that people pay us for to say i thought we were gonna lose kind of a, a tough start but I mean, honestly, who cares when Harrisburg you got the uh, sweet potato casserole at, uh, at three notch, which I've tried and, and I can recommend. Every game day, they were pouring those five dollar exclusive Duke clouds. No more game days, Jack. So yeah, I that's exactly. all. I got. I got. I got to fix that. <laughs> that read my fault on that one. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a uh, that's a quality beer. They got a lot of good stuff there. I love that that uh, that tap room in Harrisonburg, and uh, I think they're even. It's just, you know, it's one of the best spots in the whole the whole valley, man. They have so many different seasonals and, and their classics I love. It's it's a good spot to go. It's a little bit off the beaten path. It's underneath Urban Exchange. So you gotta yeah. kind of walk two blocks away from the main drag, but I think it's one hundred percent worth it and it's a it's a fantastic time. Especially if you want to play PS4. Yeah, or Xbox or Nintendo sixty four and the old school like NES. Um, any gaming console you can imagine it's set up there. They also have one small TV in the corner for sports that Bennett and I had our necks craned around some stuff, <laughs> uh, to watch. I think it was UVA beat Baylor. They also have, um, tap room specific merch. So if you go to the, yeah. the tap room in Richmond, you can get Richmond merch. If you go to the tap room in Harrisonburg, you get Harrisonburg merch. And I believe they even make it school colors for the school it's close to. So Purple That's and gold cool. stuff going on in Harrisonburg. I believe black and yellow. Is that VCU? Yeah. Or is it gold? It doesn't matter. Okay. Well, you know what else They're basically matter? the same. They're basically the same. Yeah, exactly. Basketball is back, folks. And Bet Online remains your number one source for all of your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, game trends, and so much more at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all your sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Boost your bankroll with some of Bet Online's awesome free contests and giveaways. It's always the easiest and it's always the fastest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, even golf. Head on over to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus, 5% sign welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEF, promo code B-L-E-A-V to receive rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Yay. Anyway, they're the kings of the East. We did our ad read. There we go. Okay, where are we? Productive. Let's talk Kings of the East. Oh, I was giving you a hard time for all the energy you were bringing. Yeah, yeah, my sarcastic yay. But this is an exciting time to be a Jamie sports fan. It was a beatdown of Coastal Carolina. They didn't have Grayson McCall, but I don't think he's worth 40 points. Yeah, that's very true. They're they're a better football team. They kind of dominated them. I think it would have been more competitive if Coastal had a passing game, but it you was mean still... A, a, a quarterback that could pass period first drive. He missed a couple like wide open throws. And I was like, Oh, this could be <laughs> long, a long day for them. And then they sort of rallied. And I was like, Oh, maybe they have something there. They didn't have anything there, but more so than that, like defensively, they didn't have anything. 
I was kind of shocked. I know their defense wasn't rated highly per EPA and a lot of advanced metrics, but they weren't ranked that badly. Like they were terrible and their running, their rushing defense was abysmal. I mean, Percy before he got injured just absolutely destroyed them on the ground. And I mean, they had no answer for anything that was being done. Yeah, I mean, they Latrell Palmer had kind of been pushed down to like the third running back and he was running all over him. I thought it was a nice kind of a almost a bounce back for him a little bit where he has eight carries, 61 yards and a touchdown. He was really productive. Kalon Black was really good. But when you have Percy, Latrell Palmer, Kalon Black, they all got at least seven carries and they all averaged at least five yards a carry. It was a pretty dominant rushing performance. And then, of course, Santeo throws, throws for 280 and four touchdowns and no picks. So it was a pretty pretty clean game offensively. Yeah, 100%. It was really fun to watch. Um, and it was really great to see Todd Santeo go out like that and kind of put his stamp on the season with what was it, a five-touchdown total game? Yeah, he ran for one as well. So five total touchdowns for him. He just otherworldly. He was named Sunbelt Player of the Week. Um, I don't really know what else to say about this game other than it was just like a complete and utter beatdown. And I think I more want to talk about, I, I think, Signetti's post-game comments. Oh, those uh, were good. That leads us into kind of off-season talk and even yeah. talk of what this season meant for JMU and JMU fans as a whole. Yeah, I love that. I mean, it was just a, a great season. I also I said it was a complete offensive performance. The defense only gave up 183 yards and seven points. They were phenomenal i think there were like a couple special teams plays that we were like Ugh. but overall very complete performance uh camden wise had a pretty good game and then of course right as everyone's giving him a ton of praise he like duck hooks an extra point but it was it was still a very solid game overall he had a strong end of the season Santeo was obviously a stud the offensive line is all slated to come back all those starters which is extremely exciting they're going to return a lot of really good players so i think yeah I guess my long-term view is just a lot of excitement, but it's also, and we'll get into this, I'm sure maybe now college football is like just as much about transfer additions and recruiting as it is about like roster retention now. So that's, that's like maybe my biggest concern, I guess, going forward. Yeah. I want to get into that dabble into transfer, get dabble into even the coaching carousel that's going to go on. But I first want to talk about Signetti's post-game press conference yes. when he said, well, I wanted to hang 65 on him. <laughs> And then a lot of people running with that, like, this guy has the – this is awesome. Good for him. <laughs> he didn't hang 65 on him, folks. Like, he kind of – he pulled his starters with, like, seven minutes left. He didn't go for the 65, and I think he very well could have. I think it's just funny how he said that in the post game, and everyone's just like, yeah, good job. But, like, he didn't – it was fine. He, he won by 40. I'm not complaining. I just think it was really funny how – even Signetti was like, well, we, I, I wanted to score 65. Who was stopping you, man? You, he, you are the end-all, be-all. He's awesome because he, like, really feels the moment with his post-game <laughs> comment. So, like, if they lost, it's like, you know, we just don't have the depth, which is, like, kind of true. But then when they win, he's like, this is a national statement heard around the world. The nation knows about us now. And it's like, whoa. <laughs> like, I think that's like partially true. And like they ended on a really strong note and people are going to recognize them as like one of the best in the Sun Belt. And there was some some people who were like, oh, they should be in a bowl. They're such a fun team. So there is that. But I don't think there's like a national thing where it's like when this thing expands to 12 teams, <laughs> you got to keep your like, I think it's more of like, oh, what a fun first year than it yeah. is like, oh, my God, like they're I unstoppable. <laughs> I think and I think it's never too early to start making comparisons to the college basketball and the hardwood as we are in the midst of a fantastic non-conference schedule over there in college basketball. It's like Bellarmine or Bellarmine. Bell it might be Bellarmine. This is from a Titus and Tate listener that they had like a 30 minute conversation and they landed, I think, on Bellarmine. So I don't okay. it could be that it's like them. how <laughs> they, they, They're winning stuff and everyone's like, oh, they're fun. Like, keep an eye on them when they're eligible. Um but I do want to – that brings me to a point before I know – before we dive into transfer portal stuff and, and off-season carousels, do you want this team to play a bowl game? Because this entire season, like, we were told this is impossible. They're not going to play a bowl game. Um, even Signetti in his postgame, he was like, this was our bowl game. Like, we hyped it up. This is – this was our big game of the season. And, like, it would be really cool for JMU to be bowl eligible. But do you really want to see him, like – say by happenstance they get offered a bowl would you want them to go to it at this point 
I don't I don't think they will. I think that's the other thing that a lot of people have kind of thrown out ideas where they're like, schedule Virginia Tech. It's like, what? <laughs> it doesn't really work like that. You know, like you can't just like add all these games, especially with like the FBS transition rules. And I think that weren't they supposed to like play 11? Wasn't that kind of like part of the thing was that they're going to play 11 games and do, I don't know. It just feels like if you add a lot of things and change a bunch of pieces that maybe you're sort of pushing buttons with the NCAA that still needs you to give you the waiver, right? They've not actually yeah. gotten that waiver confirmed that they're going to be able to play in a bowl <laughs> next year. So I think it'd be okay to just like ride off into the sunset. You won your last game by 40 yeah. points over coastal Carolina. Like I'm good with them being done. Same. I asked that because I was hoping we'd have the same answer to that, where it's just like, like, like in the moment, like as you're watching them win by 40, you're like, man, this right. is the last time I'm going to see Todd. You're like, yeah, I want to see him play one more game. But then after the game, like the next day out and everyone's just like, we want to play in a bowl. I was like, I don't know if I want to play in a bowl. I'm fine with like that being it. And like, even for the players, they got up for that game. We're like, I hate to say it. A bowl game might just be a disappointment. It's also one where it's like, if they would be allowed to play in a bowl game, there's a, a little disappointment for me. Like, I'd rather they play in the Sunbelt East title game and no yeah. bowl game, which yeah. obviously there's, there's no benefit for the Sunbelt to do that. Right. Where Jim, you could be your champion. They're not even representing <laughs> you in a bowl or something like that. But, be stupid on on Sunbelt's part but I don't know it was like an incredible season it was awesome I'm fine with it that being the the great finish right eight and three yeah. I, I think we predicted there would be more in the five or six win range so I mean they exceeded my expectations they were really impressive I'm excited for the future but I'm also okay with them like just getting after the recruiting trail and loading up for future seasons yeah Signetti mentioned that um in that post game kind of on field press conference. I think that was when he mentioned it, that it's time to get after the transfers and they've already landed one big time transfer. Jordan McLeod quarterback from Arizona started his career at South Florida. He two years of eligibility did not play this past year. Uh, got minimal reps with Arizona in 2021. I believe he had 40 pass attempts and that's off of a pretty solid freshman and sophomore year at South Florida. That's been their big name. They got Phoenix Sproles, a North Dakota State wide receiver transfer. I think those are their big name transfers they've landed already. But this transfer season, are you are you more keyed in on JMU losing talent in the likes of maybe Jalen Walker, Taurus Jones, some of that offensive line, maybe I mean Chris Thornton's graduated, uh maybe Reggie Brown. Highly doubt that. Probably more on the defensive side that they'd get poached. Are you more worried in that, or are you more looking forward to JMU bringing in more transfers? Both, man. I'm looking forward to the whole offseason. It's it's kind of entertaining, even though it's like weird from a from a fan perspective, where you used to kind of like have the players and they'd be in your program for four years, and you get to know them, and you'd look at the offseason like the season ended, and you'd be like, we get all these guys back, very fun, and you just don't know right now. Like I imagine a lot of the guys were good enough or at least some of the guys that they're going to get some p5 looks because it's it's also kind of um you know there aren't really a lot of rules that are enforced like if <laughs> if someone call <laughs> i don't know like antoine wells entered the transfer portal and it did not take very long for him to like be have committed offers. to south carolina and have offers right so he's in i mean the i think for... the second he was in the portal he was posting graphics uh blessed to receive an offer from university of miami blessed right. to receive an offer from... <laughs> right. and you're like huh I was like, wow, that's crazy that he knew it would get in there at 432 <laughs> on a Tuesday. So, I mean, I think it's, it's yeah, there's a lot that goes on with the portal. So I think there's some guys that Power 5 schools would probably be interested in. I don't know if they'll actually leave or not, right? I've, I have no idea. So it's just going to be interesting to see how the roster shakes out because they also just went 8-3 and three and did have at least some national attention. I don't know how much of a national statement it was, but like they're now a little bit more well-known nationally. I could see them having other players from G5s or even Power 5s who weren't getting a lot of time who are like, hey, I want to go play for Signetti and the Duke. So it'll be interesting to see how they manage the roster. I'm very, very interested to see how it plays out. Do you think last season, because last season it felt like the transfer portal hit JMU harder than past seasons with losing Diamante, Tector Dorsey, and Antoine Wells as the big names. Yeah. Do you think last season was kind of the outlier because they were making this move for those two players? didn't necessarily know the certainty moving past that offseason into this season and we won't see that type of kind of transfer stuff hit or do you think that was just a product of jamie being they were this year and power five seeing the talent they have on their roster 
I think they'll probably lose people semi regularly until they're like, I don't know, you got to build yourself up to a point where people are like, yeah, this is where I want to go and is the peak. I think it's easier to get to the NFL from JMU now than it was like a year or two ago because they're yeah. playing better competition. So that helps the fact that they're able to get into the AP top 25, mm -hmm. all that stuff. If they expand the playoff to 12, you've got more access to the playoffs. So there's a lot of stuff there that I think they could, um, could help them in terms of, of getting players. There's always going to be like the high level power fives though, that are, that are getting people right. I mean, you even look at like USC getting Caleb Williams from Oklahoma. Like it's crazy how how different things can get with a coaching change or uh, just anything that that sort of changes so i assume they'll still get some guys but at the same time and i'm interested in your take on this you've got to think that them having this success puts them in a way better position than they were a year ago right yeah 100 and i think if they went out and they only won three or four the season yeah and like there were amazing like say jalen walker and taurus jones because those are the two names that I think that are going to get poached if, like, I think they're the most likely one or two of them. But mm -hmm. say they had the same season they just are coming off of right now, but it was a three, four win team. I, I think right. they're very likely to go. And I think at this point, they're probably thinking twice. They just experience what they experience. They like the coaching staff. As long as there's no extreme coaching change, as long as the linebackers coach doesn't get poached to go be the defensive coordinator somewhere else, like, as long as that type of continuity is still there, I think there's a much stronger chance that they leave, even if a, you know, a Texas comes calling. Yeah, I think so too. It's it's they're obviously JMU's in a better spot, and then some of those schools still have a little bit of a, a decent bargaining chip, right? I could still see if if you get a big time Power Five that's interested, yeah. it's hard to say no. Like Antoine Wells, like definitely boosted his draft stock. Like he's being oh, viewed. I mean as an NFL Tennessee, receiver. he he catches for triple digits and he's like the player of the week for South Carolina. Right. You're right. not doing you're not doing that against Georgia Southern. Right. So he's yeah, he obviously boosted his stock and is is more well known nationally now. So there are benefits to it, but at the same time they're in a good spot to go get some guys and I just hope they retain a lot because they're yes. really good. Like they're really good. You mentioned Jalen Walker and Torres Jones at linebacker. James Carpenter at defensive line. I don't think he's necessarily like the, the power five mold, right? Where he's like a former walk-on who just plays out of his mind sometimes, but really productive. <laughs> really does. His motor is crazy where I think, I think sometimes when you're a power five, like coach and you go in the portal, you look at like Jalen Walker and Taurus Jones, like the ball skills and the speed. And you're like, Oh my God. And then I don't know if James Carpenter has the same level of looks, which is like good. If we were a JMU fan, cause that dude is I mean, a freak. And maybe he does power five. If you're a power five coach, it's like Dan Campbell. And you're like, he has the grit. Then he's, yeah, he's going to, <laughs> that might be a Matt rule type of see James Carpenter jump off the film. We need him for, <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Nebraska um, comes calling. <laughs> what was I going to say? Crap. I was, I got so into my own joke about Dan Campbell at your own expense that I forgot my point that we're unbeatable because we're so loaded. Oh, this is my question. Who do you want them to target in the portal? And I know that's a question we got from Twitter. Who should yeah. we go after? And you also brought this up, and I wanted to touch on this. I think that defense next year is otherworldly good. They were already amazing mm -hmm. with that front seven. But then now all of those young guys, Austin, Logan, um, the corners that were questionable all season, I think then they have a full offseason growth. That secondary and that defense as a unit will be really, 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 really good next year if they take the step we expect them to. Yeah. Um, with that being said, transfer portal, you already got quarterback. What's the position you're you're wanting them, you want to see come through on Twitter? Breaking news, JMU adds blank from the transfer portal. That's a great question. Shout out Daniel TFXC for his question about which position is the best to target in the portal. I go back and forth because I, I was thinking originally like secondary, and then I looked at it a little closer, and you mentioned Brent Austin, Chauncey Logan. Even Devin Coles came on really strong at the oh, end yeah. right? Josh Surratt, Francis Meehan, Q Reed, they're all like capable of coming back in terms of eligibility if they want to. So they're they do have some guys. I think secondaries may be a spot. Wide receiver, I know they added Phoenix Sproles, but they do lose a ton of wide receivers. So my, I guess my answer would be wide receiver. And I, I think you have maybe an offensive answer too. Are you you're still quarterback in the quarterback camp? Yeah. Mainly because like I and and I know we're not getting like like if, if it's McLeod, I'm happy with McLeod. But I'm seeing all of these quarterbacks at the transfer portal, and I'm like, 
ooh, shiny. I want I want that quarterback. Like you see Sims hit the portal and you're like, ooh, look at those numbers. <laughs> and like he's probably not going to a G five. He's probably looking for like team Georgia Tech. But then you see like Hudson Card and you're like, that could be fun. <laughs> or you see like Alex Padilla from Iowa who showed no signs of life throughout the season in the worst offense in the nation. Mm-hmm. What if he got with Signetti? I mean, he was a three and a half star at one point. That could be fun. And you're looking at there's Kate another Kate McNamara. Yeah, Kate, Kate <laughs> like looking at it and I'm like, this could be fun. Put him in the system. Maybe not Kate McNamara. But like <laughs> I just see every quarterback hit the portal, and this just could be me being greedy, and McLeod could very well be the answer because um, we didn't really know who Todd Santeo was. Um, I was listening back to some of our, our earlier podcasts from the offseason, and one of your takes was, um, well, I mean, if you get him, who's Colorado State's coach? <laughs> Steve Adazio was yeah, you the said, coach. You said, you said in one of the podcasts, well, if you get him away from Steve Adazio, <laughs> anyone will get better. So you got to imagine. <laughs> <I was> right. <laughs> But it's just like so. We really there's there's so many question marks on Santeo that easily fit that bill and be fantastic right. next year. The only thing that worries me about McLeod is he essentially hasn't played football in two years. That's the only thing. Um, but he still has two years of eligibility left, and he could be a huge addition. Um, but I just get a little greedy sometimes. If I'm if I'm answering it honestly, it's wide receiver and offensive line depth. Yeah, I think that's fair. All fair points. I, I think the McLeod one, the, the comments are interesting because he's thrown 72 passes since 2021. So 72 passes over the last two seasons. Didn't play this year. I think that might have been some injury stuff. But uh, he also he left entered, the team. He, he entered the portal pretty quickly. Yeah, it was I was I was scrolling for highlights for him for our Instagram. Shout out our Instagram at JMU Sports News. But I was scrolling through Twitter to find highlights. And there was a lot of press conferences um, from the coach and was like, McLeod has left the team and it was like September. Yeah, that's true. And like the one before that was like he had a shoulder injury that he was rehabbing and like the next press conference. I could have gotten my timeline wrong. And if I did, I think that sounds right. That sounds right where he was, he was quick in. I think he might've actually been injured in 2021. Maybe that's what it was. Okay. But because he only played three games that year and I think he was getting a good bit of run when he was in. But he, he played well at South Florida. So I think he's, yeah, he's interesting. He didn't have a ton of rushing yards, but he is somewhat mobile he moves pretty well if you you watch his clips he moves well yeah but he i think he averages two yards per carry in his career i think a lot of those are sacks sure my guess he (laughs) he can move around there are some some early south florida highlights where he moved pretty good but i mean centeo averages like four yards a carry five yards a carry and he gets sacked okay well centeo is in a better system this year, what did he average? Two yards. Centeno averaged four point two yards per carry this season. This season, yeah. Well, once you heard Kurt Signetti, we didn't even talk about this yet. <laughs> oh <laughs> my <laughs> god! Oh my! <laughs> Go ahead. He, he was like, nobody thought Ben DiNucci could play Player of the Year, Conference Player of the Year. Nobody thought was it Cole Johnson? He's like nobody thought Cole Johnson could play Player of the Year. <laughs> Dottie comes here, Player of the Year. So he's made every quarterback he's ever had. Oh, we're not talking about when Cole Johnson didn't win Player of the Year, Jack. Is that what you want to do? No, I was going to bring up the fact that no one, no one had faith that Cole Johnson could be the starting quarterback and Player of the Year. Neither did you, Kurt. You benched him for Gage Maloney. <laughs> the only reason Cole got his starting job back is because of COVID. <laughs> what a crazy story that was. Also, what about Vad Lee? What about Justin Riscotti? What about all these guys that helped build the foundation before Ben DiNucci got here? Yeah, they did. You you deserve. Are you going to apologize in this podcast? No, I refuse that? to apologize because it's very clear what my tweet was saying. I'm still upset about that. Yes, you had a tweet about the recent <laughs> quarterback generation for those who don't know what we're talking about. And there's some people who ruffled some feathers. But you, you meant the the modern quarterback era in terms of VAD building foundation and being built upon, which is very true. They've had an incredible line here of quarterbacks. Name me who was a quarterback from the years 2009 to 2013. Was Dudzik still overlapping during that time? I don't know because be no one guess. knows. I think that was bird songs here. Like, <laughs> like if you have that long of a – Somebody knows. The foundation is rebuilt when VAD – okay, whatever. I, I, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Dudzik was the guy, and when they beat Tech, and well, guess well, it was raining for this game, but 
but guess guess Dudzik's passing stats. Uh, fourteen of fourteen of thirty for one hundred and fifty yards. He was five of eight for one hundred twenty-one and a touchdown. Okay, get out of here. That he would. <laughs> they also, also didn't make the playoffs that year. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that tweet really ruffled me up. And they go eight I, five I, the next year. I mean, there was there were some dark days. There were. I mean, they've had some some teams that weren't. I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But it's just like it does. I'm I'm over the recent I'm quarterback train over, though. But... More more to that point has been incredible, right? Where they've gone just like great quarterback replaced by a great quarterback replaced by a great quarterback. I don't know how sustainable that is. Like most programs can't do that. So when they bring a guy in the portal, and I'm automatically like, yeah, it's gonna be awesome because that's a Sun Belt player of the year. Yeah, quarterback whisperer. At some point, they're probably not gonna have the conference player of the year at quarterback. So it's they need a certain level of play from quarterback, but that's also a spot where like if they can really bolster other positions, including the defense. You can take a little bit of pressure off McLeod or whoever else is, else is the starter because I don't know how much you can really bank on these guys being just elite-level performers every season. But maybe you can. Maybe some guy is a genius. I, I also think this offense, like, while we've seen it be run by elite-level quarterbacks, I think you can also put in a quarterback who just makes the right read. That's true. And it would be successful as long as they're not turning it over and just missing targets, a lot of times the people Todd Santeo, and this isn't to take anything away from Santeo, a lot of the times the guy he's throwing to is wide open. So if like you can just hit your targets, I think you're fine. If you get a game manager in for the Dukes, I think I think Kurt Signetti, Tino Sinceri, and Mike Shanahan could really get a good offensive game plan going. I think that's fair, and this kind of ties in. I'm a little worried. I don't know about you. I'm a little worried about what the, uh, the coaching staff could look like. So let's break it down real quick. Luke Fickle left Cincinnati uh-huh. to go to your team. Wi-Fi struggles in Charlotte tonight. <laughs> Am I back? There we go. He's back. There, there he is. So, so let me start that again. Let's recap what's happened yeah, so far here after a week. Luke Fickle again for me. Luke, were you? Are you hype about him going to Wisconsin? Very hype about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, Matt Rule went to Nebraska. That doesn't impact anyone because he was unemployed. Uh, um, yeah. Hugh Freeze left Liberty to go back to the SEC, and he went to Auburn. Georgia Tech fired their coach, but I believe they just promoted someone to be. They promoted. So there is this rumor not even a rumor, it was really reported that they were going to get the Tulane head coach. Uh, they ended up promoting their interim head coach. So I don't know what fell through there, but their interim head coach, Brent Key, is now the head coach at Georgia Tech. But I, I was trying to think of other... Um... Tulsa, yeah, UAB, because their head coach retired before the year, and I think they've done it all with an interim guy. But just their player... Promote... Yeah, you promote your interim, because they the players yeah. just... Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's kind of stupid to not just promote your interim they had a pretty good year i mean they lost some close games i think they were like six and six but they could have been a lot better than that so so now with the coaching carousel and everything signetti's name hasn't been officially linked oh it's been floated but footballscoops.com we all know them as a very reputable source do they have an ass football scoops is it scoops or scoop scoop footballscoop.com I like scoops more. Scoops sounds better. Let's call them football scoops. Okay, football scoops is <laughs> out here talking about stuff, and they and they linked as Signetti a potential candidate for the Cincinnati job. Oh yes, they did. Sorry, there's a lot that someone's like trying to break into my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> kind of threw me for a loop. Uh, we'll, we'll make it through. Uh, this is a weird podcast. Things are coming off the rails fast, oh, folks. Yeah, they are. Um, just wait until we get to the Valpo game. <laughs> quickly with the coaching carousel. Do you think there's much shakeup to the coaching staff if Signetti doesn't leave? Like, I do don't think- know, man. I'm terrified. I'm terrified. I love Kurt Signetti. I like going on. I like talking about his crazy post games. I like being like well, he's too conservative, but you know that he's still going to win you a lot of games. Like if they get bowl eligible next year. We're going to complain about him at least three weeks. He's easily taking them to a bowl game, and they're contending for a division title. 
And I can still complain and be like, oh, man, I wish he would do this. And he's going to tweet crazy stuff. He's going to say crazy stuff in his post games statement of the nation. He said that his cocktail that he was going to have, it was a diet tonic and vodka. A diet that, tonic. This would be like a whole psycho. feature. That's yeah, what psycho. is that? That's psycho. Not even like a flavor. diet tonic. Someone, someone really needed to follow up. What brand of vodka? Because that's very important. Is this man out here like smearing <laughs> off base or like – does he at least use some of his six hundred thousand dollars salary for like Grey Goose? I hope so, especially with diet tonic or Belvedere nasty. or something. But yeah, like diet me. tonic, Signetti, what weight are you watching? You're <laughs> not what? What is a diet tonic and vodka? Not even with a lime or anything. Just like <laughs> that sounds so disgusting. I like to think he puts a lime in, but man, if he we need him on the podcast and just talk just about to talk about that. Yeah, just talk recipe cocktail ideas because we could open up a whole new world for signetti because a diet tonic and vodka might be the most disgusting cocktail i've ever heard it was tough because i mean he's feeling confident as he should they had an incredible season jamie nation loves the guy they just won by 40 points a statement to the nation and then they're like coach how are you going to celebrate and he's like a diet tonic and vodka Huh? Maybe two. Maybe two. Maybe two. In my second one mind. of those. Mother of God. <laughs> Why even a first? Yeah. Why did <laughs> Okay. Here's the real important question before we actually get back to the coaching carousel. Uh-huh. When that question was asked, in your head, what did he answer? Like in your head before he answered, you're like, this man is going to be this type of I thought it'd be something with like bourbon. Same. I was like, this guy's an old fashioned dude. That's what I was kind of thinking it'd be like an old fashioned or something in that that like realm. Bourbon neat. Yeah, and then when he yeah, I thought he'd just be like sipping bourbon, and then he was talking about <laughs> diet tonic. It was like, what? Are you okay? Who oh hurt God. you? Yeah, what, what's going on? But but I want him to stay as our coach so that we can get him on the pod and talk to him about new cocktail ideas. And the concern I have is that I've heard some Jamie fans that like some he's floated for Liberty UAB, Cincy, right? So all these little floatings and not really like a connection just like a hey he could be a name to maybe monitor because he's a good coach which makes sense i think the part that's tough for me is some jamie fans have been i've seen they're like you know he's building something at jmu i don't think he would want to bail on that i kind of agree for like liberty like even if liberty throws a lot of money at him i'm a little i don't know that he would be like yeah i want to go to conference usa like i could see him being like you know what that doesn't make me that excited for the challenge even though the money would be cool so I think for that one, I'm, I'm a little less worried. Even UAB is one that I don't, I don't, I, it depends, I guess, on a little bit on salary, but I feel like they're American. You, yeah. But Americans getting a little weaker with what Jamie's building. I could see him hanging around for a little bit. Who Cincinnati knows? Cincinnati worries you though. Cincinnati worries you. That's the thing that like, first of all, Liberty and UAB like have some things that I, and I like Liberty stuff aside, like the money would probably be tempting for most college football coaches. Yeah. And then UAB's got some things that are interesting, including money. Cincinnati's very interesting. They're going to be a Power 5 school next year. Like, if they give him an offer, people are, oh, he's building something. I don't think he cares. Like, and he, I don't know that he should. Like, would you want to build something or do you want to go spend, like, however many years you want to at Cincinnati? He also said in the post game he wants to coach for 10 to 15 more years. So he thinks he has a decade left. Th- that was, I think that was him trying to get a contract extension out of JMU. I think so too, and I think they will give him one and should. And part of the should is the same, like Mike. The reason Mike Houston got a ten-year deal is like up that buyout, please, because <laughs> he's really good. So like, if he leaves, you better get whatever you can from the new school that that grabs him. I think my concern though is just like the offers are getting better. Like before, yeah. he would tweet and be like, "No, I don't want to go to Buffalo." Like, why would he want to go to Buffalo? Now it's like, oh, a Big Twelve school. There's some rumblings <laughs> that West Virginia isn't very happy with Neil Brown. He would absolutely leave for that job. So it's it's I don't know. It's the jobs are getting better is my concern, I guess. Yeah. I think West Virginia he leaves for Cincinnati, I think he leaves for. Um, but I also think that was why they hired him. So like in the past, and I know being FCS, things are just very different, but Houston would have left for UAB. Houston would have left for Liberty. Mm-hmm. would have left for these lesser school. I mean, heck, he left for ECU, which was in the American. Like, JMU was kind of high, and Everett Withers was one foot out the door the second he got into Harrisonburg. Nothing wrong with that, but he just was. So, like, I think they were hiring coaches who saw JMU as a stepping stone. Yeah. Where I don't think Signetti saw JMU as a stepping stone. I think he saw it as his final place. 
with the assumption that West Virginia would never open up to a person like him. But now the cards have aligned perfectly where you've gone to the FBS, you've proven that you can be a viable at the F FBS level, you've proven that you can build something like now all of a sudden is West Virginia getting rid of Neil Brown, which I think is a very strong possibility because they are very much not happy with him. Even Cincinnati, yeah, I think I think he leaves for those if kind of twofold. The money right and he gets the offer, so it's not really twofold, it's more onefold. I think if the money's right. Which it would be because he's only making six hundred thousand a year only. But he's only making six hundred thousand a year, one of the least paid coaches probably in the nation. Yeah, and there was I saw something that I missed earlier, I guess, but from the Richmond Times dispatch where it was like over four years they had to increase his salary by whatever it was. So it was, they're increasing it slowly still over the next couple. They could even get bigger boost than that. I know he has some bonuses, but yeah, like some schools can offer salaries that JMU can't. And for someone that like has a lot of ties to West Virginia and some other schools in that area, it would be hard to just like say no. I mean, they're like legit family ties with his dad coaching at West Virginia. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I'm not saying like West Virginia's offered him the job, but it's it's one where he's building something, which is very true. But at the same time, it would be so almost strange. Yeah, it's like a lot of coaches have have built things, and it's you the still point go of a on coach and, is to build something. Like you want to go to a program and show yeah. that you're capable of building. Do you then get the next job? Right. It's just there's so such little job security where if like if Signetti goes four and eight, two years in a row, JMU fans are going to be like, this can't happen. This is an unacceptable standard. This is standard. we got to be in college football playoffs. There was a Twitter space less than a year ago <laughs> titled Fire Signetti, where at least 15 JMU fans calling for his job. They are the same people now here in November of 2022 sitting back and saying that we have to pay him more so we don't lose him to Cincinnati. This, there is no job security. There is no loyalty to a head coach with all of that. And Signetti, if you can get a big payday to Cincinnati, take it. <laughs> well, it's the same with anyone, right? If Saban goes three and nine, three years in a row, people are going to be like, okay, thank you, but get out. Yeah. Right at Alabama. So it's, you just want, everyone just wants to win. So if you're a coach, you kind of just got to do whatever is best for you and your family. So it's, it's one where I, yes. I, I'm very excited about Signetti being Jamie's head coach. I also don't think it's crazy given the fact that he would like to coach for another decade that he's maybe isn't here that much longer. And I hope he is. And I hope I'm wrong, but I, I think there's a good chance given his success, given the fact that Jamie, you can clearly reach a national stage. Like if they become one of the best teams or they kind of are already are one of the best teams in the group of five. And if they keep building toward that and further up that pole, it's going to be hard for, for other, you know, programs to not throw a bunch of money at him. Like you look at Kansas State's a top ten team with Chris Clayman or whatever, right from North Dakota State, who is the former coach there, and he's done incredible things there. Like you can get these former FCS head coaches that that turn out to be home run hires. I wouldn't be shocked if Big Twelve or ACC schools are like, wait a second, this guy's a real deal, crazy experienced. There's there's a lot of things to like, and you're also seeing that trend more. And I saw it a lot over this college football season. With like Lance Leopold and Chris yeah. Kleeman, where it's like if they win at every level, hire them. Like if they're right. a D two coach and they win and they go FCS and they win and they go low tier G five mm -hmm. FBS and they win, there's a strong likelihood they're going to win with your program. Um, and it, it, that, that that's Signetti. He's won at every level. He won at Elon. What did they do before Signetti? Nothing. What have they done after Signetti? Nothing. Right. It's well, they, hey, they had a good year this year. Don't sleep on them. Uh they lost first round of the FCS playoffs. Cool. That's good for them. <laughs> you're <laughs> you're you're not wrong. <laughs> no, but I mean I get what you're saying. Like he clearly took them to like a spot they had never really been before. And and they kind of had some of their seasons derailed by injuries where they like maybe could have been a bigger factor. He's just he's had so much success at so many different spots. He's really good. But I mean you look at like his his dad was the head coach at, at West Virginia for a few years, and he was an assistant at West Virginia. And then he went to Wasn't IU. He the quarterback of West Virginia too. Seeing that he was, yeah, Kurt, yeah. or Kurt, not Frank. 
So it's yeah, it's yeah. like there's so many ties. I'm not again, they haven't offered, but like there are things like that that it just like he left Alabama to go be the head coach at IUP, which definitely had like because his dad had done that reasons, right? I don't think he's most Alabama assistants aren't like IUP. Yes. Like let's, let's see what I could do there. So I do think there are things that matter to him outside of JMU, obviously. And I, my overwhelming, overarching point is just that he's a really good coach. And it, it seems hard to think that he's going to be in Harrisonburg for like the long term just because he's such a good coach. Yeah. And as we've talked this out more, I'm realizing that his I can coach for 10 to 15 more years. May not have been trying to get JMU to give him a contract extension, but he knew the coaching carousel was starting to move. And I think, I think it's probably both. It. Yeah, I think it was kind of a call out also to like other teams that, hey, I might be in my 60s, but I I have time left. Speaking of coaches who use the JMU program as stepping stones, men's basketball. <laughs> you don't think Bindon's here for the long term? Um, no, I don't. Men's basketball. They went to the Savannah Regional that wasn't actually called the Savannah Regional. I forget what it was called. Um, the Hostillo Community Classic. Sure. They took down Coastal Georgia, noted NAI tough foe, 100 to 54. Then they beat the best team on their schedule, not named U or UVA, by 19 points on a neutral floor and looked damn good doing it. Then it was a tough 81-79 loss in overtime that Bennett is now painting as this entire season is lost and this entire season is a joke and we should just stop playing basketball at this point. Valpo is in the 200s of the Ken Palm. It is a bad loss, but I'm here to tell you, man, bump the brakes. This guy's not falling. It's okay. I think it's falling. Here's the thing. I like this team a lot. They're very good. They're going to have a good season. Blah, 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 blah. Probably the best team. Probably the best team. All my optimism. Here comes why I think we suck. Probably the best team in the Sun Belt. Yada, yada, yada. A lot of talking from people. I'm just Probably will make the NCAA tournament, but I mean. I'm just so tired of waiting for them to be relevant. And I haven't even been waiting that long. Other people. They're 70. Ken Palm. What do you mean? Other people have been waiting for decades. For decades, Jack. And I've only been waiting since, what, 2014? And they haven't done anything of relevance, anything of note. And I just want them this to get there. And that's all. I'm just in They beat UVA last year. No, okay. That was their one. Yeah, that was pretty cool. But that's one achievement. I want them to make postseasons. And, like, you can't do that. Oh, I know what you're going to say. Oh, you can't do that in November. Sure. Sure, you can't do it in November. Here's my thing, though. It's frustrating given the incredible success across the athletic department. Softball is making women's college world series. Lacrosse has a recent national title. Volleyball, top 25 RPI. They're going in. They're going to beat the little crap out of BYU respectfully. You've got no, football, got into the AP top 25. Women's basketball has had some post at least like WNIT successes. And they've had a couple teams that kind of got screwed under O'Regan. So I, I, there's just all this like department wide success. And look, Byington's awesome. I love him. I was just frustrated after the loss. Cause it was like, this is such a cool opportunity to beat a terrible team and win this nonsensical little tournament and say that you won this little MTE or whatever. And you got it and you're excited and you're happy and you only have one loss in, North Carolina and all these things and they lose to Valpo and it's just like stabbing me in the back, you know, Bennett, this wasn't an at-large team. No, this they're not team, an at-large. Team. This team had no, so this loss means nothing. There was nothing this team could do this season in a rational mind to make national attention. The beat North Carolina or Virginia. In a rational mind. A lot of people are saying that they would have beaten North Carolina. No, by a lot of people, you mean Shane Metlin. <laughs> That's all I was told is that they should have beaten North Carolina look, on an average day. Look, does this schedule suck? Yes. It's the worst schedule in the world. But they've moved from 127 in Ken Palm all the way up to 73. They're 
He's 79 now after their disheartening loss. You're right, but this is a mid-major basketball team that is going to suffer some losses, like some really head-scratching losses. Like, you scroll ahead, they'll probably lose to App State at App State or, like, Georgia Southern at Georgia Southern, something weird like that, where it's a team that, for all intents and purposes, they should destroy, but they're going to struggle with. It's a cold shooting night. This was a terrible game by JMU. They shot a Abysmally, they shot, let me pull up the box score so I know for a fact exactly what they shot. They shot 40% on the game. They shot 20% in overtime. They shot 33% from deep. Not a winning recipe. They turned it over a few times, 12 times to be exact, and they only had, well, they actually had, well, they had three guys in double figures. Um, but they're, like, their best shooters when it combined one of six, three of ten from deep, not good. And then when you look at Valpo, what happened, their two best players went off and absolutely had huge games. Like, Valpo yeah. needed otherworldly play to beat a down JMU team. Like, to me, the sky isn't falling. To me, this team is where they are. I think you had way too high expectations coming into this season. They're going to win the Sun Belt, but the Sun Belt's trash. Well, I don't even think that's my thing that bothers me. They're not guaranteed to win the Sun Belt. I'm just, I think I'm mostly right. sad. I'm mostly sad that men's basketball got the short end of the conference realignment stick. It makes sense that they moved to the Sun Belt, but you could argue it's it's like last year's CAA with JMU in it is probably just as good as this year's Sun Belt. The CAA no, has got. Maybe better, okay. Because Towson was a top 70, was a top 80 Ken Palm team. And if if you put this JMU team into that CAA, you have two top 80 Ken Palm teams. Sunbelt You're right, actually. You're right, sorry. The new additions are absolutely horrendous. North oh, Carolina and... Yeah, that's, I should they're say, really... th- throw, out the, throw out the new people and then, like, if you you're just right, took... La- it, yeah. yeah. But, like, Towson is a... Uh, they're a top 100 team in Ken Palm right now and, like, Charleston is receiving votes in the top 25. So I think maybe that's why I'm a little more sad, right? It's like these teams are, are pretty good. Charleston's rolling over people. They look unbelievable. I'm sure they'll lose to Old Dominion today, which will change my opinion on all of that. <laughs> but it's it's just, I don't know. I'm just frustrated, man. I want them to be relevant. They are going to be relevant this year. They're playing really well. They're awesome. They're fun to watch. I was just disappointed in that one because it was like, what an opportunity to keep the oh. momentum rolling against a bad team. And didn't take advantage. So it may be frustrated, but yeah, they're they're an awesome team. You're 100 percent right, but you're also gonna hate this excuse. I'm gonna say, game three in three days. Valpo didn't play that many games in that many days. Valpo had the advantage with rest. Saturday off. When and and when we talked with our friend Dom about this, he made a really good point that when you're in conference tournament time, when you're playing the championship game, everyone has the same amount of rest, so there is no rest and equality. When you get into the thick of conference play, there's no rest and equality. It's all very the same, and and that's just what that, that's what it comes down to. Plus, we're talking about Noah Friedel and his kind of streakiness to start the season, and even with Morse too. Morse, that's kind of his mo. He's either going to shoot the lights out or he's going to shoot twenty percent. Um, you got to live and die with that. The hope was that Noah Friedel was going to come in and be a knockdown forty percent three point shooter. I think he still will be in conference play. Got to keep in mind that he hasn't played college basketball for a full year, so he's going to be a little streaky to start this season. That all makes sense. Look, I'm excited about the start. If you told me they'd be six and two with a bunch of blowout wins, I'd be pretty <laughs> excited. And I am pretty excited. I'm mostly They're, upset that they have to play these garbage teams. So when they lose, it just feels frustrating because yeah. it's like, gosh, you should take care of business every night, but that's obviously not going to happen. So I hear you. I hear you. I'm excited for the season, the rest of the season. I think it'll be fun to to keep an eye on them and hopefully they can peak at the end of the year. But God, I also hope they can get some non-conference schedules in the future that don't just suck. Yeah, I mean, I, you just kind of hope that home lo- like you got to become a quad one or a quad two type. Of That's team. what you got to be Valpo. You got to get yourself yeah. in the quad one, so you don't have to play I, Valpo. I see again. that point. I see that point. But if they finish the season, what? You're right. Twenty five and six or whatever. It, it adds we'll up to be like. Yeah. yeah. And also, I got to say, I know these numbers are inflated because of playing Coastal Georgia, Valley Forge, and they're going to be playing Gallaudet. They're tenth in the in three point percentage. Mm-hmm. They're twenty third in effective field goal percentage. They're 18th in block percentage. Um, 
and they have a pretty solid defense. And when you look at them compared to the rest of the Sun Belt, they are truly head and shoulders everyone else. And the next closest team is Marshall, who relies on two players, Tavion Kinsley and Andy Murray, and they run at a breakneck speed. So, one, that's going to be a fun game. Yeah. But two, like, Marshall's not great. Like, they're fun, but they play atrocious defense, and they just win by outscoring you at, like, an ungodly number. So, I mean, yeah. there's weaknesses across the league. And and the weakness for JMU is not being consistent, which sucks. Yeah, we'll see what happens. They've got a couple teams that could give them a little bit of a run. Troy's had some decent results, but no one's yet. JMU's got a really good team. So that's exciting. ODU, maybe. ODU, maybe. They're... But they're definitely at the top of the league, which is good. It's good. It's just sad to see, you know, some of these matchups are tough. And I've got high expectations. I want them to take sort of this this massive exponential leap. And it's probably going to be some incremental baby steps. But it's, it's some of it's frustrating to me because of when I got to the college. Matt Brady was the head coach. They had this baseline level of performance. They fired him because the baseline that they were at was not good enough. And then it's it took what is it? I don't know. It was like five years later. They're back to that baseline. That's what had me frustrated. But Byington's awesome, and they're they're close to hitting their stride. So that's good. Looking forward to the non-conference slate finally ending. I'll say two more things, or one more thing, before we get up and move on past men's basketball. According to Ken Palm, as of right now, as of recording, they are favored to win every single conference game except for one this season. Yeah, they're going to be favored in a lot of games. And even with that like projected record with all the percentages, right, based on the favored 23 and 8, 13 and 5, I mean, that'd be pretty good, right? <laughs> I'm not really going to be mad about that if they go into March and have a chance to win their conference tournament. So if that happens, I'll be a happy camper. I was just frustrated after this game listening to it on the radio. It felt like they had so many chances that they they let slip it. Hey, they'll bounce they back. They'll bounce back. And also, this, this is a good thing because now we as a fan base – can stop thinking we were supposed to beat North Carolina. We as a fan base can get that idea that we are an at-large team out of our head. Oh, it's gone now. Thank God. Yeah, thank God. It's we're going to be back Virginia, if we beat UVA. Yeah. UVA. <laughs> if we beat UVA, I hope <laughs> that at-large just be go, woo! Um, and then you kind of hope that like maybe Marshall can move up so that could be a quad two win. <laughs> went but out. <laughs> went out all of a sudden. Valpo wins uh, out. They figure some things out. Big time win over on the women's side. They took down Liberty 67 yeah. 63. Um, they had a pretty good showing against number 13 UNC, too. Uh-huh. They did lose that one 76 65. And next up will be a Thursday game at VCU in Richmond. Yeah, I'm, I'm gaining positivity with them. Their schedule is not too bad the rest of the way. So we'll see what happens when they get the Texas transfer. Kobe King away in there. I think that'll change some things for sure. She's a superstar. But uh, Kiki Jefferson, I watched the Liberty game Wednesday before Thanksgiving. 20 points, 16 were on free throws. I was wildly impressed with her ability to get fouled. Was not shooting well, but had 16 free throws and 12 rebounds. She's just like, she's so good, man. She's going to have to step up throw a game a little bit to get into the 50-40-90 club. Currently shooting 56, though, 56% from the floor, 50% from deep. 81% from the free throw line. 16 to 17, though, in that Liberty game. So she's she's plugging right along. Love to hear it. Peyton McDaniel's also been massive yeah, addition. Yeah, she's good. Averaging 18 points per game, shooting 42% from the field, 46% from deep. Big-time addition. Going to need to see a third, though, step up. Not saying they need to have, like, another double-digit score, but they have to have a uh, someone step up and kind of um, – be a player that they can rely on in big moments. We thought thought that was going to be Claire Neff. Hasn't really. She was great against Liberty. And also, I completely messed up. Peyton McDaniel's not averaging 18.2 points per game. She's averaging nine and a half. I, Feels I like 18.2 and she's out there. I read minutes instead of points. That's all. It's probably, yeah, so it's what she's probably, at, per 40, she's probably averaging like 20. <laughs> Thank so you once for they get for me. Well, once they get her minutes up, though, seriously, because she played 23 minutes and had 11 points and nine rebounds. So, like, She's exceptionally good when she's able to be out there. I'm fascinated to see what they do when they get Kobe King away and then uh, Caroline Germond when she comes back from injury at point guard. I'm, I want to see, because this is 
maybe my biggest gripe with Coach O, who I think is still pretty good, if he's listening. Um, he might be. He might be. I kind of want to see him get a little more forceful with like shot distribution, where like in this so in this game, that? like Jamia Hazel took sixteen shots and she was four of sixteen. She can get open a lot, but she's certainly missed some shots. Really good offensive weapon. I also don't think it's crazy if Coach O was like, I don't want a game where Kiki doesn't take the most shots. I realize she got 17 free throws, so it kind of skews her like shots in this game. But at the same time, it's hard, and they've had it happen before where they have like their elite player who's pretty efficient, like Kamai Smalls or someone else, and they don't lead the team consistently in shots taken. And that's something for me that like, I don't know. I think he could be more forceful there where it's like, look, we're running the offense through them. I want them taking the most looks. Cause I don't think anyone would complain if Kiki Jefferson goes out and is like, I'm putting up 20 shots today. Like, I think that would probably be good for him. Yeah. And Jemaya is not shooting it exceptionally well. She's second on the team in minutes per game with 24 and a half, um, but is shooting just 40% from the field and 12% from deep. So and you want to see, you want to see more out of your point guard, especially when you have a player like Kiki, like if you're take and th- this might sound rude, but like if you're taking shots away from her, you better be hitting at a high clip. Like Peyton McDaniel's hitting 42%, 46 from deep. When Peyton McDaniel takes a shot away, I'm okay with that. As of right now, it feels like, Hey Zell. And I, I don't mean to be like just completely going in on her, but it just feels like almost a liability. 11 turnovers, eight assists, isn't shooting it well from the floor. Like, yeah. And I, I think with her too, it's like fine ways fine. to get her. Sorry, let me, I, I feel like I'm really, <laughs> she's shooting it fine from the floor. She's shooting it poorly from deep, but she's being fine yes. from the floor. But the negative turnover to assist ratio is bad. Sorry, go ahead. I didn't, I, I didn't no, get she's that just, on my chest. Hazel's just so athletic that it's like get her attacking the rim or get it to a point where she can attack and kick out. Because I feel like if they do that a little more, it might be more effective. Because I don't think her jump shots necessarily are strength. But there's also times where like she'll cross someone over and take a jump shot where it's like nobody else in the team can create that space. So it's great. <laughs> it's like if they can use her somewhat differently, I think that would be interesting. If they can have her almost become at times like pass first. Because I know Coach O has asked in the past, he's like, hey, kind of need you as the scorer. So I think that's the reason she's shooting a lot. But if they yeah. can get her in there where she almost becomes pass first at times, her athleticism makes her someone who's really dangerous in that kind of role. I don't know. I just like, it feels like the more shots for Jefferson and McDaniel, the better just seems like my, my really (laughs) elementary analysis. And I should say she is shooting 40% from the field. Like she's not shooting an abysmal number. No, It's just when you compare it to Kiki, 56% from the floor, you're like, I'd like her to get more shots. Hazel's a fantastic three. And if she can get kind of, put into a more of a a situation that uses her ability plays to her strengths more i think that could be really beneficial almost playing her like as a two when jeremon comes back yeah i'd like to see her attack a little more too she's 10 to 12 83 from the free throw line like if she's yeah. in the paint getting foul getting free throws pretty dangerous player so I'm, I'm just interested to see how he sort of uses the lineup as the season goes on because he's got a lot of weapons like hazel could legitimately be like their fourth or fifth option at one point and given her athleticism, that would be a pretty crazy team. So long way to go. I'm just interested to see how they use everyone going forward because it would be really disappointing if they don't at least make like the WNIT because Kiki's legitimately one of the better players in the country. Yeah, for sure. I also completely forgot to change the lower third on that one. That's that's on my that's on me, folks. And last but certainly not least, volleyball's dancing. Yay. Big time stuff from the uh from the Dukes over there in Godwin Hall, they won the Sun Belt, and uh, they're scheduled to play BYU, who is the seventh-seeded team in their region, the Pittsburgh region. Um, do you like their chances to win? Have you been following along with BYU volleyball this year? Yeah, I've been watching a lot of BYU tape, and you know they're a competitive group that plays hard and loves the game, from what I mean, I've seen. Yeah, kind of almost like a first-in, last-out type of players, <laughs> like almost like coaches on the court. <laughs> Probably accurate, actually. Um, I, haven't, <laughs> I haven't looked a lot, honestly, at, at anything. So now I'm scrolling through their schedule. They've got some losses. They're not an unbeatable team by any means, but they are pretty good. But you know who else is pretty good? Jamie? First time <laughs> they're competing in the tournament since 2017. Exciting. The team has never made it past the first round. 
they've already yeah. had like a historic season, right? With like getting to like number 21 in the RPI and stuff. So I feel like they're playing with house money at this point. Any win is is a bonus, but they're good enough to to hang in there. It's kind of hard to tell because um, I don't know exactly the strength of, of what their non-con schedule was. I know they had a, a 3-0 loss to Florida State, which is at least the biggest name on their schedule. But they've been really good all year. They played some good teams. Texas State just missed the tournament. They're a really good team. And they were able to beat them in, I think, two out of three matches. And the, the loss, I believe, was still pretty uh, pretty competitive. So, I don't know. I think they'll have a chance. Friday, 4 o'clock. Watch it on ESPN+. Plus. Be cool if they got one. And, I mean, volleyball is the team that benefited the most from the move to the Sun Belt because it's not like a CAA team got a seed or anything like that. <laughs> Man. that's Yeah, that's one where uh, CAA volleyball is actually darn good and their men's basketball pre the additions was pretty – had some teams that were pretty – like if it was JMU, Taos, and Charleston – this year in men's basketball for CAA, like you'd be, you could convince me they were close to a two big league. Yeah. I say that because Towson's an eight seed, but if Colgate's able to upset Pittsburgh, that'd be you. A JMU Colgate and Jamie's able to upset BYU, that could be a a JMU Colgate matchup. We all know how JMU feels about Colgate. They play Pitt. Yeah. So it's, it's exciting though. Good to get in the NCAA tournament. Fall sports without a ton of success. I think Grant Johnson tweeted out the stat yeah. of the and the stat of the the team's record in the Sun Belt, and it's just absolutely like mind boggling how the Sun Belt in the first year. Yeah, pretty dominant from the Dukes. Very yes, sir. Time. Anything else you want to add? No. All right, for Bennett Conlin, my name's Jack Fitzpatrick. You guys have a wonderful rest of your night, day, whenever you're listening. See ya. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.